Good morning to you. Thanks a lot, by the way, Florida. I'm a political junkie. I come down here very disappointed in all of you, although you did carry Florida. But the weather, we got nicer weather up in Canada this morning. We come here and about two feet of water that we had to drive through to get here this morning. No, listen, good to be uh, with you. And um, Lord willing, uh, we're going to be here, we're planning on being here a little longer this year. And um, after 46 years of practice, um, I saw my last patient uh, before I came down the last time in February 15th. I was supposed to go back and practice for two more months, but because of COVID, um, that was canceled, so I'm now into uh, full-time education, which I'm doing uh, online. But anyways, hopefully we'll spend a little bit more time with you. So it's good to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd have you to turn to our passage this morning. I'm not going to read all the verses that uh, were assigned to me, but rather just a couple of verses in there. And of course, if you're on the small group study uh, tomorrow. It's tomorrow, right? Tomorrow. Yes. Uh, tomorrow then, um, you know, we, we'll, we'll look into uh, this in, in more detail. But I wanted to highlight a few things that were part of the passage, and I pray that will be practical and useful for you. Uh, Acts chapter uh, 18 and verse 18. I just want to read uh, the first verse there, and I will stop there. And I've broken this down into four sections, so um, prayerfully we'll get through them this morning, and it would, like I said, would be a benefit to you. Acts 18 and 18, so Paul still remained a good while, then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and um, Priscilla and Aquila were with him, and he had his hair cut off at uh, Chantria for he had taken a vow. I want to stop right there. And before we do, let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, God. Thank you for uh, thy word. We thank you, Father, for your precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, this morning, just pray that, Lord, that uh, this time that we have together in thy word, Father, would just be a real blessing, Father, and uh, just a real encouragement, a real encouragement uh, to me. Uh, Father, in thy word and in this passage, so I pray, O oh God, that we just be able to communicate this in in uh, to our dear saints here. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Paul took a vow. <laughs> kind of interesting when you uh, see, uh, you know, I think the emphasis, and I'm sure it has been emphasized as you've gone through the book of Acts, that the book of Acts, you don't, don't want to make doctrine out of it. I mean, you just don't, because it's a book of transition. And we really get our, primarily all of our doctrine in the epistles. And I'll, I'll touch on this this morning, but I think it's really important that we understand that. Because you see right here, you see Paul in transition. Paul's in transition here. Paul makes a vow. Now, is God asking us to make a vow? You know, is that still part of 
uh, a believer's life that you and I make a vow, you know, and and let your hair grow. And then uh, Paul cut his hair. He had made a vow. We we know where that vow comes from because he made uh, a, a vow that's found in Numbers chapter 6. Again, just for the sake of time, I won't go there, but it's found there. And it's a vow of separation. It's a vow where Paul lets his hair grow. How long? I don't know. It uh, doesn't say exactly. Uh, but, you know, no wine. Don't touch grapes. Don't touch a dead animal. Don't, you know, it's don't, don't, don't. You're separating yourself. Paul made a vow. And I, I think the vow is because God had delivered him. In Corinth, and our brother Andrew touched about uh, on that last week, and uh, you know he made a vow. He w- it was thankfulness, so he would just. But what I'm trying to say is that Paul's in transition. You know, if you grew up the way I grew up, now some of you maybe uh, have know what I'm going to say here, but growing up in a catholic home in the 1950s as a little boy i can tell you catholicism and in our home not so much rosie grew up at the same time as me just down the street but her parents weren't devout my parents were devout catholics and it affected you know i was thinking about this this week it affected every area of my life it did as a little boy I can tell you it was in our, I didn't never went to a class that I wasn't taught by nuns and uh, that we didn't go to mass uh, 40 days in a row for Lent and it was part, and there was no eating uh, meat on Fridays and, you know, I, it was just, it permeated every aspect of my life as a kid. I just want to tell you that. And for the Jew, if anyone, you know, like I've had some uh, dealings with Orthodox Jew. I, 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 I took a year. I lived in Montreal and uh, several years back. And um, one of the uh, one of the people that I had to uh, do business with at that time uh, was an Orthodox Jew. He was a rabbi. And I spent many, many, many hours with that man. And you know what? His religion permeated everything from his clothes to, uh, to his, the economy, the Sabbath, to the food that that man ate, to, you know, it was good because, and you know, I tried to, man, it was not easy trying to share the gospel with that man. He was so entrenched in the Old Testament and the laws and the, uh, and, and not touching any unclean thing or anything like that. Guys, you know, like when we read the Bible, sometimes we, you have to put yourself in that, in that situation to realize what Paul, Paul was in transition. And we see later on, as you get into the, to the, to the epistles, Galatians, for example, right? Like, think about what happened. Paul had to literally tell Peter off right to his face. Peter, you've got something better. You're saved. 
And now you're acting like a Jew again. Right? But remember, here's Paul. This is in the book of Acts. This is early. The epistles have not been written yet. And guess what? He's still doing a vow. He's still doing something that was part of the Jewish life. It's really important to, you know, you read this and go, ah, you know, what big deal? What is a huge deal to Paul? As a matter of fact, he comes into Ephesus and he says, I can't stay. You know why? He was on his way to the temple. That was part of the vow. He had to take the hair that he had cut off. He let it grow. Then he shaved. And then he was going to take that hair and go to the temple as part of that uh, vow. He said, no, God willing, I'll be back. But he was on his way to Jerusalem to fulfill the vow. And all I'm trying to say is, um, in a practical sense, understand, look, I got to tell you something. If you could put yourself in my situation, because sometimes you're, you're born like my kids now. My, my kids, <laughs> they're all adults, but uh, my baby's 40, 40 years old. Anyway, but my kids, they grew up in a, you know, they, they had a little bit of Catholicism. Then I got saved, you know. And when I got saved, um, my kids grew up in a Christian home. So, you know, Catholicism obviously wasn't a little bit when they were younger because they, a couple of them were started school and I had, I wasn't saved yet. But I'll tell you something. I want to tell you something. The hardest thing that I've ever done in my life was to go to my father after I was saved and tell my dad who led our home steeped in religion to go tell my dad a couple of days after I was saved. And that was part of the cost that I had counted for a year. I knew the gospel was true the first time I heard it. I never questioned the gospel. I didn't. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I needed to be saved. And finally, at 30 years old, Jesus Christ was the Savior. When I read about it in the Gospel of John, because I was invited to read the Gospel of John, I read it for myself. I never doubted it for one second. I count, but you know what stopped me from becoming a Christian? Disappointing my father. I knew it would break his heart. Who had brought me up in that home. It would crush him. I knew it. And it was the thing that more than anything else kept me a year before I accepted Jesus Christ. You got to read. Guys, you have to read to understand and understand a little bit about the culture, the Jewish culture. It permeated everything. For, for a Jew to come to Christ was incredible. And the cost would be like today. Uh, we read about, we don't maybe see it so much here in North America, but Muslims coming to Christ and by the droves, too, isn't that something? But, oh, they're going to pay a price for that. 
So here's Paul. He's in transition. He's still doing vows. And, you know, like, and for us, you know, like Paul, like, you know, we, we have the Lord's Supper, you know, but the Jews, they have the Passover. They just don't understand, right? That, that Jesus Christ is our Passover. So when you read the book of Acts, just, and, you know, we'll get to this because there's a couple other things here that I want to, I want to touch on, but just put yourself when you read that. Try and, it was easy for me. I think I have preached on the book of Hebrews more than any other, uh, uh, book in the Bible. If you ask me, Tony, I've been preaching now for, uh, 38 years. I preached on Hebrews more than any other passage. You know what? For me, it's personal. Because I came out of religion. And I always have got to get my eyes back on Jesus. Because Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I, I you know, if I ever get back, because sometimes I, I, I get someone that's come out of religion, and I'm always reminding them, you know what? Those are all shadows. They're all, they're not, the reality is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Christ. He's the one. It's not a religion. We're in a relationship. And just understand where Paul was coming from when you read that. Where is he? Why is he doing that? What, the, what do you mean a vow? Anyway. Section number two, let's look at another transition that takes place, and that is Apollos. Now, a certain Jew, number uh, verse 24, named Apollos, born at Alexandria, that's in Egypt, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately, accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only about the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he uh, desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Apollos. A few verses, but oh, what a, what a preacher man. <laughs> Paul was a teacher. Paul was a teacher, but Apollos was a preacher man. This guy was eloquent, could grab your attention, and... You know, I, I, I just say this on, on this side. I was thinking about it, you know. And uh, I got saved and immediately into the assemblies. What did I know? I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I thank God. Oh, the preachers. <laughs> the preachers that uh, I've been exposed to in the brethren. In the assemblies. And we lost a great one this week, didn't we? 
We lost him, but oh, what a, a glorification that uh, our brother Randy. But you know, guys, I don't know if you ever appreciate some of the teaching that we have. You know, I listen, I get invited, and I thank God for that, to speak in all sorts of different denominations and churches, and uh, even in the Catholic Church a few times at funerals. Uh, but, you know, I just thank God. I always thank God. Man, oh man, do we have good preaching and good teaching. Apollos was one of those. You know, a Jabe Nicholson or well, whoever your favorite is. I don't know. You know, just tremendous guy. But, but, but. He, he had not yet. He knew the baptism of John. He was mighty in the scriptures and it was very accurate. Like when you think, go back and you want to go back and look at at Luke's gospel and and chapter 3 and whatever. Again, for the sake of time, let you go back there and look. What was John the Baptist preaching? Repentance. Why? Because the religious people the Jews were steeped in religion. And they were, they were missing, they were missing that picture. They were missing. They, they had all the externals. Washing the hands and, and the foods that they ate and the way they, they separated themselves from the rest of the, uh, of the heathen around them. But you know what? John the Baptist came and he said, you brood of vipers. Where's the good works? Where's the repentance? And so here's Apollos. Can you imagine? He's going into the synagogues and he is man preaching to the Jew. You bunch of vipers. You wonder how he ever got invited back. But John the Baptist was talking about the coming of the Lord and the Lord Jesus. He had that down accurately, Apollos. But you know what he didn't know? He hadn't been to the cross. He wasn't preaching Jesus crucified. He knew about the Lamb of God because even John the Baptist knew about the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. But you know what? John the Baptist never understood the cross. Where did we go this morning? The cross. You ever get tired of the cross? I I can't get over. I just can't get over. God. Manifest in the flesh. Beautiful. Christmas. The advent of Christ. Folks, that's nothing compared to the message of the cross. God hanging on a tree for you and for me. Now, Christian, let me just share something. If that doesn't stir your heart to worship on Sunday mornings and the rest of the week, I don't know what... There's nothing I think that could ever appeal to you If you don't understand what happened at the cross, 
So Apollos, look, he had the Old Testament probably memorized. By rote. And he would know Isaiah. And he would know those. And so he was saved. Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him to write it. Did Abraham know what you and I know today? Of course he didn't. But he was saved based on believing what God had already shown him and was going to show him. Apollos, what a preacher. And then he got tweaked. <laughs> and guys, listen, this is, this is very practical. Because Priscilla and Aquila, you know what they did? They brought him home. They heard him. Oh man, this guy's something. Man, he's, but he just, he doesn't understand the cross. He doesn't understand the resurrection. He doesn't, he doesn't have that yet, but he's preaching, man. You get your heart ready. Christ is coming and Jesus is, is, is the Christ, but he didn't, he didn't, he didn't know the cross. And so Priscilla and Aquila go, come home. Now, let me share something with you, every one of you that are sitting here in this room here this morning. God expects you to be a Priscilla and men to be an Aquila. You know why? Look at, look at uh, verse 23 for a second. What was Paul doing? Paul was strengthening the disciples. And what were Priscilla and Aquila doing? They were doing the tweaking. The tweaking. You know what, guys? The best tweaking you will do is at your house or in a coffee shop. You know how many, I thank God for my, I, like I said, I was right in with the brethren. Got saved on a Thursday, Sunday. I was at uh, Grace Bible Chapel in Timmins, Ontario. And there was men there. I didn't know them from Adam. I knew one guy. I got saved in his basement. He said, you're coming to church on Sunday. Okay. I thought the lightning bolts were going to come and hit me. First time I've ever been in a, a, a not, never mind a Protestant church, uh, an evangelical church. My word. And I, I dragged Rosie and the kids out because I, the only way I could get Rosie to go to church was say, look, we're going to go out for, I don't know what God must have given me that. Let's go out for lunch after. Okay. <laughs> I said, okay. You know, I, I, I said, I don't know what's going to happen there. I, I, I didn't have no idea. I never been to an evangelical church in my life. Was it a mass? I don't know. <laughs> oh, but I remember men taking me aside. Great preaching from the pulpit. But you know where I grew the most, guys? In people's homes. At the coffee shops. With the fellowship of, of, uh, brothers. Taking little Tony, a baby in Christ, and, and putting their arms around him and saying, yeah, yeah, Tony, like all I knew is Jesus is the way. I knew that. 
I didn't even, I didn't even fully understand the cross, but you know what? They, they sat me down. Ladies, listen to me. <laughs> we just had, our chapel is so much like your chapel, you have no idea. Rosie and I say this all the time. Young couples, lots of kids. You know how refreshing that is? That's Sudbury, by the way. When we moved to Sudbury, no kids. There was no kids there. I mean that. There was no Sunday school. No Sundays. There was no kids to have Sunday school. Today, we don't have enough room in our building for uh, all the kids. We have about, I'm going to say, 40 college and career. They show up for every meeting. You should see these young men preaching in our chapel. We're so thankful. I can tell you, you have no idea uh, what's happening. But you know how many times that Rosie and I, our homes were open. You get the young kids, the young people. Take them aside. You know? And how many times, you know, ladies, I don't say this without any, this. You know, the head covering, for example. (laughs) You want me to preach about it? I'll preach about it. You know what's going to be the greatest effect, ladies? In your kitchen. You talk to them about it. You teach them. You tweak them. Look, I'm not trying to make, I'm just giving you an example. You know, because a lot of times, even in the assembly, why are we doing what we do? What, what do we believe? Yeah, and you know, we'll preach on it. We'll do a whole series on it. And that's wonderful. That's strengthening. But the tweaking's going to take place at home. Invite them. Hospitality. Uh, hospital? That's how we get that word? You know, these people. We're just... You know, they don't know everything, and they're hurting maybe. And, you know, where's the best place? Get them in your home. Ah, you know, in Canada, we do coffee shops a lot. <laughs> you know, we got Tim Horton. I don't know. You guys probably, you know, Duncan's got nothing what we got. Okay, that's all I'm saying. But oftentimes, I've taken a young man and taken him to a coffee shop, and we talk, and we go over, and I just do a little bit of tweaking Because they need a little bit of tweaking. And that's what Aquila and Priscilla did. What Apollos. Okay. And it happened. Look at uh, chapter 19. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. That Paul having passed through the upper regions. Came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. He said to them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Okay. Now. Here's where we're going to get into it. Just very short. Some doctrine here. And again, do you know that I preach in a charismatic church? Fairly often. And uh, one of the pastors uh, is a very good friend of mine. He's a charismatic uh, preacher. And I love the guy dearly. I really do. And I appreciate the fact that he invites me to his church. And I preach there several times a year. 
And I'm happy to do it because they're lovely brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I don't go there and, you know, get into all the doctrine. I don't do it. I go there and preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, uh, but you know, I've had discussions with, with, with my friend Bob and, uh, Pastor Bob and, you know, where they get this, you know, like Paul's saying, to these disciples, have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit? Again, you have to understand the book of Acts is a book of transition. These disciples didn't know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. They didn't know about Pentecost. And this is transition, so Paul is asking them a question. If he had ran into Apollos, he would have said, Apollos, have you been, <laughs> have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit? I don't think Apollos knew about Pentecost. That's just my opinion. An Old Testament saint, for sure, saved, for sure. Didn't know everything though. And you see, Paul is saying that to these 12 disciples, Old Testament saints, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Now, guys, you can't put that into a doctrine. You can't make a transition into a doctrine because when you're saved, you're baptized by the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 12 and 13, we've been all. You know what the Greek word for all is? All. <laughs> it is. That's. We, you and me, you're saved. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, but Tony, you know, and I've been told this before. You need a second blessing. Nah. <laughs> nah, I don't. Because I got it all. It, the only question is, is whether the Holy Spirit has all of you. <laughs> You've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. And uh, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Read it for yourselves, guys. You do not have, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're, you're not saved. But when you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. It's instantaneous. And he will never leave you. Now, you can quench the Holy Spirit. You can, you know, like, here's my heart, but you only get a little bit of it. Because I don't want you going in this room, and that room, and this room here. Holy Spirit. We do that. But guys, you're saved. Once saved, always saved. Because the Holy Spirit never going to leave you nor forsake you. Right? And so, understand that when you... And I got... Listen, the guy who led me to the Lord was charismatic. Do I love him? Yep. Do we talk doctrine? No. We just don't go there. I found out years ago, it's just going to be an argument. And I loved, I owe him my life. I watched his life, I got saved. He's the one that got me reading the Gospel of John. 
We used to be drinking buddies and party buddies and, and he changed and I watched his life and if he wouldn't have been consistent, I would have never got saved. But I got saved and I owe him my life. I love that man in spite of his doctrine. So you know what? It's not that I can bring him into my kitchen. He just, you know, he's, that's his teaching. That's what he believes. And he believes in all these things. And you know what? I just say, you know what? I'm not going there. I'm not going there to, to, so that I can win an argument and lose my brother in Christ. I won't do it. And I don't do it. And I love that guy. And I mean that. But you have to understand again, this is transition, guys. This is, this is change. And then what did they do? The Holy Spirit came upon them after Paul just taught them that they were just like Apollos and, uh, I, I mean, Priscilla and Aquila. They, he, they taught these disciples and they were so ready. They immediately got, they got, yes, we believe in Jesus Christ and we believe in the cross. You're now that you're teaching us and Pentecost and all. Yes. And guess what? For the manifestation, in transition, they started speaking in tongues. But guys, it's it's not a doctrine. That was part of the early church to authenticate their salvation. Because it was the same as the day of Pentecost when they were speaking in uh, tongues. And in Samaria, that was a change. You guys have already taken that, right? In Acts uh, chapter 8. You see the transition. And Cornelius, right? The Gentile. You see it in transition. These things, the Jew, especially for the, the Jewish Paul, he needed to see it. It authenticated uh, what was happening. Okay, lastly, and I'm not going to, I just finished very quickly here. Just stop at one verse. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Guys, listen. I believe in miracles. I just don't believe in miracle workers. That's me. Do I believe in miracles? I'll tell you something. If you don't know and hung around with me before I was saved. You know, I was texting with, you know who Butterlips is? Sean O'Byrne. Do you remember him coming here? Do you? Do you remember him? Really, what a great preacher. Full time into Belize. Of course, he's back in Canada because he can't get into Belize right now. They send him out a out of Belize back home because of COVID. Anyway, I call him Butterlips because what a preacher he is. Oh, but I'll tell you, when Rosie and I brought him home for the first, I actually worked for, uh, my dad had a construction company. I was his partner only in money, not in, I couldn't build anything, believe you me. (laughs) But my dad uh, hired Sean because I asked him to because this kid and anyway first night that he works for Riverside Acres which was my company my father's company he I brought him to my house because I'm three or four years old in the Lord and he's a baby just got saved 
His girlfriend, he was in a rock band in Vancouver, and his girlfriend overdosed right in front of him. And he come home on that train, back into Ontario, and on the train, God was speaking to him about the brevity of life. And he got to a little community just outside of my hometown, and I met him because I, I'd go up to that little assembly and preach in this little place. There, if you got 20 people in, you got a crowd. <laughs> and But I used to love going up there because the, the believers were faithful and whatever. This guy comes in, hair down to here. I'm not kidding you. Hair down to here. Chains, tattoos all over his arms like that. Scary looking. I'd bring him home. My wife, whoo, is coming in our door. The kids are running to hide. <laughs> Do I believe in miracles? Oh, I believe in miracles. You watch what, that, what God did in Sean O'Byrne's life. And I set up that marriage of his to a young lady I knew in that chapel that I used to go preaching, in that Vera, and those two married, and oh my God. Do I believe in miracles? You better believe I believe in miracles. A hundred percent. We don't need handkerchiefs like Paul. Right? Let me just touch that handkerchief. I'm going to get healed. You know, look guys, I, 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 I mean this. I don't mean to make fun or anything like that. I don't want to do that at all. All I'm saying is, look, guys, we have Jesus Christ and he's still at work. He's still touching people's lives. He's still working. And we, you know, guys, I'll tell you, let me close with this story. Two weeks ago, we baptized in our chapel a a woman who was a, a registered nurse, 60 two, I think, 63 years old, hardened against the gospel like you would not believe. You would not believe. She worked with a dear sister of ours in the chapel. And they worked together for years. And if you ask Pam, she said, man, that lady used to greet me. Oh, she was the most miserable had an attitude, and the last person in the world, quoting Pam, that I thought would ever get saved with all the nurses I had worked with over the years would have been her. As a matter of fact, I could hardly even pray for her. She was so miserable. And two Sundays ago, she got baptized. And you should hear that lady's testimony. How she loved Pam, even though she hated to admit it. How she watched Pam at work every day. And even my son-in-law, Dr. Sam, you know? Who went to work every day. And you know, sometimes, you know, instead of being in a bad mood. In emergency department. But you know what? People watch me. And Pam, <laughs> just she's getting baptized, 
And all I could think of, do you believe in miracles? Nah, they still occur. They still occur. <laughs> we live in the book of Acts. Acts has never stopped, guys. We're still living in it. What a, what a uh, testimony this young lady had. And now she's, it's amazing. She's a, a couple of months old in the Lord. And she was telling me that she's got a young sister. I, I actually married this couple this summer. I performed the, the marriage of this young girl named Amanda in our chapel. She was heathen. Didn't understand. Is there a God? I don't know. Never even thought of it. That's her testimony. Who was Jesus? I have no idea. Swear word? That's all she knew. And then she got saved. And, uh, but this Julie, who got baptized a couple of weeks ago, is having a, a, a Bible study with Amanda. And, of course, Pam's there because Pam is the one, you know, come into my home. I'm going to teach you. You should see these women growing. It is unbelievable. Can you imagine me? I sit back. An elder in our assembly. And it just, I, the joy I feel when I see that kind of Is God any different today than he was in the book of Acts? Come on. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, O God, for your precious Son, the Lord Jesus. And thank you, Father, for him. And Father, I pray. I pray for each and every one this morning. Lord, that you'd bless them. Encourage them to go on. Maybe they got strengthened a little bit this morning. And Father, I pray for Priscilla and Aquila, the Priscilla's and the Aquila's in this chapel. Father, that they would see that they're ministering, that they would come beside someone today. Take them under their wing. Encourage them. Bless them. A little teaching. And Father, uh, we just thank you for the opportunities that we have. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.